Hello, and welcome once again to another edition of Faith to Live By. If you've listened before, then you have a good idea of what I'm about. I'm Pam Christian, and as your host, I'm not about faith love, and I'm not about doom and gloom. I am all about being alert to the times in which we live, seeking understanding about what the Bible has to say and how we need to respond to the times. As both an apologist and a charismatic, I want to bring balance between rational thought and spiritual realities so we can gain spiritual victory over life's issues. I rather like what people have had to say about me and my messages. Some have said that I'm a unique combination of caring and directness. Others have said I'm just the velvet hammer the church needs today. And while I was speaking one time, a woman spoke up saying, Ouch! That hurt, but hit me again. And the one I'll always treasure came from a woman at a retreat where I'd just given my final message. She said, You're the nicest bully I have ever met. Yeah, that'd be me. If you want to read the testimonies of others concerning me and my ministry work, just visit my main website at PamelaChristianMinistries.com. You'll find all sorts of information about me there because it's important to me that I'm as transparent as possible. People are looking for genuine and dependable truth in these desperate days, and it's my calling to be transparent as an ambassador for Jesus Christ. What do you say about me? I'd love to hear from you. And by the way, a shout out to David, Dan, Alice, and Aaron, who recently commented on my podcast. Thanks for the encouragement. I really appreciate it from each and every one of you. And I welcome contact from all of my listeners. I don't want this to be just a one-way line of communication of you hearing from me. I also truly want to hear from you. Okay, for the past four weeks, we've explored the essential need for a proper fear of God. With that better understood, now I want us to consider how to partner with God for His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. With this episode of Faith to Live By, we'll explore part one of Advancing the Kingdom of God. Starting with an assessment of the Christian influence upon the world today, and at first glance, it doesn't look good. In fact, I would go so far as to say it looks pretty doggone bad. And I have every reason to believe that you will agree with me. So what I want to do today is identify a strategy for us to move forward and become the influence upon the world God intends. What's playing out in the world before us is nothing less than a radical and violent effort of evil attempting to overtake good. It's seen in the political and governmental spheres, especially in this highly contentious election year. It's seen in the power plays of self-appointed power-hungry elite who actually have contempt for our countries. It's playing out in our legal system, where convicted criminals are being freed. It's playing out in our educational systems, where children are indoctrinated with philosophies entirely contrary to the truth of God's Word. And it's playing out in media, where what is promoted as news is in reality planned propaganda. It's even being played out in the church, with judges ruling against churches' rights to assemble. Did you hear where a judge in California banned Pastor John MacArthur from holding indoor services at Grace Community Church? These are just some of the raging battlefields of our day where the Christian influence should be in the lead, and sadly, it is not. Just as the Bible predicted what is good is called evil and what is evil is called good, and our reaction as Christians must not be one of resignation and trembling, hiding as victims. No, Christ has already won the victory, 
Our role is to intentionally respond as the victors we are in Christ. Just as we read in the Old Testament, the Israelites repeatedly allowed their daily lives to be influenced by the allures of the world only to find themselves deeply entrenched in the enemy's camp. We have done the same. Our first step in getting out of this horrible mess we've gotten ourselves into is to repent, to agree with God about our unfaithfulness and intentionally choose to turn back to God. The moment we do this, we have God's promise to help restore us. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. The extent of sin and evil that has overcome us is so great, we need God's swift and powerful intervention to help us. By our not maintaining our positions of influence that restrains evil, evil has overtaken us and our only hope is God, the very same God many people in positions of high leadership deny. The reason our culture is in the state it is today is because instead of advancing, the church has been unengaged for decades, resulting in serious retreat. Our only hope is to be restored unto God and His ways through faith in Jesus. It is time, it is past time, we raise ourselves up in Christ, in His victory power, and take back the territory we've given up. Matthew chapter 11 verse 12 reads, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. And that's precisely what we are seeing in our culture today, violence in our streets, while the enemy of God is taking territory by force. Our mandate has always been to go forth, subdue, and occupy, and take ground for the kingdom of God by force if we have to, but not the same kind of force the enemy uses. However, we have failed, and gratefully, we have the promise of 2 Chronicles 7.14. Clearly, our first course of defensive action in our strategy to advance the kingdom of God is personal humility, prayer, and repentance. Then, with this first step, we must corporately adopt a humble posture and pray and repent as the united body of Christ. Across denominational lines, we must be united in our first step to push the inroads the enemy has made back and to reestablish God's kingdom standards. Like it or not, we are in a war, and war strategies are what we must learn to apply. The church, in America, generally speaking, has been out of balance. Jesus is both lion and the lamb. The church has emphasized the lamb of God for decades, presenting only one side of Jesus, and this has allowed the enemy to gain tremendous inroads without any fear of reprisal from the church. The world of unbelievers in America, who identify with the power and the control that's going on in our streets, see the church as entirely irrelevant and non-threatening, so much so that the church in America has been subjected to mandates from people in governmental positions who are not upholding the laws and the Constitution of America. The church has been determined non-essential by those who are lawbreakers who will stop at nothing to overpower the people to suppress us under socialism, Marxism, and communist control. 
Christ came to set the captives free from all forms of oppression. One of the first orders of any battle is to know your enemy. So this first program on advancing God's kingdom, then, is something of an intelligence briefing. A little bit of background. You might recall Vladimir Lenin's work was conjoined with Karl Marx's works by Lenin's successors to form what was known as Marxism-Leninism, the playbook for overtaking society and gain control for socialism, Marxism, and communism, includes these three following steps. First, as already pointed out, the enemy does not play by the rules. He is a lawbreaker who lies and cheats and makes up the rules he likes for his own advantage. Reading quotes from Vladimir Lenin, then, gives us a clear idea of the intentionality of deceptive principles that were used. Therefore, he works through politics, laws, government, business, and education. I'll have a link for you to view in the show notes. And if you have anyone in your life who leans towards socialism or communism, I encourage you to share this link with them. The intentional deception, the lies, are part of step one. Secondly, the enemy radically alters language through media, arts, entertainment, and the cultural narratives to gain control of our minds and our perceptions of events. The goal is to alter our morals and ideals of religion and family. Third, the enemy intimidates, coerces, and overpowers by any force necessary to gain behavioral compliance, making people believe they are helpless to reduce and destroy our fighting strength and to break our will. I expect you can see that what we are experiencing are the outcomes of the third step in our culture at the present time. In truth, the enemy is Satan, the father of all lies and the enemy of God. Satan's goal is to destroy all things important to God, including God himself, if that were possible. Satan works through people who do not fear God to accomplish his plans. Since knowing our enemy is essential, let's really drill down on this. Satan is a being created by God and is therefore lesser to God in every way. Let me say that again. Satan is a being created by God and therefore is lesser to God in every way. Many people don't believe in God, which is a tactical lie of the enemy to prevent people from tapping into God's mercy and power. Many people don't believe in Satan, which is another tactical lie from Satan to deceive people about truth. If the enemy can cause people to believe there is no God and neither is there a Satan, he has 100% unhindered and undetected maneuverability. Our enemy consists of all beings, spiritual and human, who side with Satan and reject God. The Bible is clear. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but dark powers and principalities and rulers in high places. While we must hold humans who do evil accountable, we must also pray for them to see the truth and repent. Okay, with our enemy identified, now let's identify our allies. God is sovereign over all. He is uniquely all-powerful. All that exists has been created by God. He is supreme in intelligence over all that exists, and his good and perfect will shall prevail. God is our commander-in-chief, 
in this ancient spiritual battle being played out right here on earth. Mankind is made in God's image and has been given power and authority over the earth and all that is in it with the mandate to subdue the earth. Just like Satan and his evil minions, mankind has been created with free will to choose to align with God or to align with Satan. Those of us who believe in God and his triune nature, being God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, are given opportunity to place our faith in Christ, our Redeemer, to be aligned and restored into righteous relationship with God, thereby severing any legal claim the enemy has over our lives, our eternal lives. We who place our faith in Jesus, then, are immediately drafted into God's army, and we are fully equipped with the indwelling of God's Holy Spirit, making the enemy of God lesser to us in every way. We need to understand this. With the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we have access to all of God's power. It's become apparent many Americans have been living their lives wholly focused on themselves, their family, their careers, and their personal future plans. With these blinders on, the increase of evil that's been going on for decades all around us has gone undetected, or at least without any resistance to speak of. Many of us have been shocked this year to learn of the extent of evil as we know it so far. Let me caution us, there is much more evil to be revealed. In the upcoming days, we will see people, including many we've admired and esteemed, who will soon be exposed for who they truly are. And when this happens, the cultural shock waves will be nearly overwhelming. I've shared, beginning early September of 2019, looking ahead at the new Hebrew year, the decade of 5780, which begins with our year 2020, God told me this would be the year of justice. Well, for justice to be served, injustice must be revealed. And isn't that exactly what we've been seeing this year with the claims and the counterclaims about COVID-19, about wearing masks, about statistics of those infected, uh, the reported deaths due to COVID, the manufactured controversy about hydroxychloroquine, the controversy about vaccines, the reason for shutting down the economy, causing businesses to shut down completely, many that will never reopen again, and the mandates for church attendance and even the mandates upon family gatherings. This is control of our behavior, which is step three in the enemy's playbook. This year, God has made us see what has really been going on, hidden in plain sight for decades, and it isn't pretty. The church has lost a great deal of ground in recent battles, and it's long past time for us to soldier up and get in the fight. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. However, we must understand how fellow humans have been deceived so we know what we're up against. Most of us would agree that Antifa, which stands for the Antifascists, is a group of terrorists. According to the Anti-Defamation League, quote, ideology of Antifa is rooted in the assumption that the Nazi party would never have been able to come to power in Germany if people had more aggressively fought them in the streets in the 1920s and 30s. Most Antifa come from the anarchist movement or from the far left, though since the 2016 presidential election, some people with more mainstream political backgrounds have also joined their ranks. That's the end of the quote from the Anti-Defamation League about Antifa.
Now, let's talk about the group known as Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter is a group that many people support because of the controlled narrative that surrounded it coming to prominence this year. In the wake of the grievously unfortunate death of George Floyd, those who seek to divide and conquer for their own power and control raise the cry of systemic racism as a major problem in America. Black Lives Matter was quickly ushered in as a movement to awaken people about the depths of racism in our country to supposedly help African Americans in our country. Many non-black Americans, out of the goodness of their hearts, sided with what they believed, what they were told the Black Lives Matter movement stood for, not wanting inequality. There are many good people in this country who do not want inequality. However, it soon became apparent that BLM was not about righting inequality, but gaining power and control over people who do not share their views. What are their views? Well, we need only go to their own website to learn of their stated purpose. I have the website address in my show notes, and I ask you to read it for yourselves and learn how vigilantism is promoted and nuclear family is disavowed. As always, Words need to align with actions in order to be believed. So we must follow the money and look at the militant and violently destructive deeds we've witnessed over the past few months to make a proper conclusion about the BLM organization. An article about BLM stated, quote, Black Lives Matter has declared war on the police and has released a blueprint for Black Panther-style armed patrols monitoring police officers on the streets. BLM's leader revealed in an exclusive interview that they are mobilizing a highly trained military arm. Again, I'll include the link for you to look this information up yourself in my show notes. This was put out by the Heritage Organization. I provide links so you can read the sources for yourself. I'm confident all my African-American brothers and sisters in Christ don't want any kind of war on police. Are reforms needed? Yes, and in some departments more than others. But a military coup against police in general is not something God would bless. Are you aware that donations for BLM go through Act Blue, which is specifically for far left-leaning Democrat progressive groups? Funds donated through Act Blue, even from BLM site, do not necessarily go to support the efforts of BLM proper, as reported by Capital Research Organization. Again, I will have the link for you on that claim in the show notes. Major sports arenas owned by billionaires and major corporations are now promoting BLM at the expense of unity of our nation. Taking a knee during our national anthem, even playing the black national anthem, and yes, there is one, does not bring us together. It creates more division. If you want to know more about BLM, visit Intercessors for America. I'll have the link for that on my show notes too. These are just some examples of groups that are well-funded and making significant impact in our culture with their militant counterculture efforts. I ask my Christian brothers and sisters, is the counterculture and all it stands for supported by any biblical principles? It seems to me we no longer have a two-party system of government, which is very sad. 
because the ideal is for both parties to have the same end goal, which is a government that is operating consistent with the Constitution of the United States. Additionally, having a two-party system was intended to uphold the laws of the land as determined by the people in our republic-style government. The two-party system was to provide a sort of check and balance for the diverse yet collective views of the people to be upheld. In America, we still have the opportunity to vote and let our voice instruct our elected officials. We are a government for and by the people. This means each one of us has a responsibility before God to vote. Any Christian who does not vote is, in my considered opinion, abdicating their God-given rights as a citizen in America. Not only do Christian non-voters reap what they sow for themselves, they subject their fellow citizens to the consequences of their non-actions. This is something to consider, knowing we will all stand before God to give our personal account. We need to vote our values. Vote for the candidates who best represent the standards of life and social order set forth by God. I pray more Christians get informed about what the Bible actually has to say concerning life and social order to vote accordingly. Many laws permitted to pass in America are entirely inconsistent with God's will, and we have, as a nation, suffered the consequences. We can reverse the curses if we become properly equipped and engaged in advancing the kingdom of God, working to bring God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you are not registered to vote, if you know those who are not registered to vote, Get this message to them. For a Christian not to be a responsible citizen before God means they will be subject to the discipline of God. They will not only suffer the consequences themselves for their own actions, but they will be responsible for heaping consequences on their fellow man. I just spent four weeks explaining the importance of having a proper fear of God. For anyone not to have a proper fear of God that brings them to willingly submit to God means they are actually aligned with the enemy of God by default. The church, or better stated, Ecclesia, which I'll explain in a bit, has been charged by Jesus to occupy until he returns. We can read that in Luke 19, verse 13. We are charged with the Great Commission, recorded in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. This is where Jesus speaks. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. End quote. The Greek word ecclesia has been translated in our Bibles as church, and it has come to mean something other than originally intended. The term ecclesia was in common usage for several hundreds of years before the Christian era and was used to refer to an assembly of persons constituted by well-defined membership. At their meetings, the ecclesia made decisions about war and foreign policy. They wrote and revised laws and approved or condemned the conduct of public officials. 
the term was used of governmental or civil leaders. And it was this Greek word Jesus used to describe the assembly of his followers. Clearly, by using the term ecclesia, Jesus intended that his followers would be the influencers, the standard bearers for all of the culture. Additionally, usage of the word meant to call forth or to be called out, as in Christians are to be in the world, but not of it. We read Jesus' words in John 17, verses 16 to 19. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself so that they may also be sanctified in truth. As Christ followers, we are both called out of this world system and sent into the world system to preach God's kingdom rule and reign on earth as it is in heaven. I'll have another link for you about the term ecclesia, and I think you'll find it very enlightening about the standards Christians are supposed to uphold in the culture. Church, in our Western culture, has become a gathering place for Christians. Instead of going out into the world in fulfillment of the Great Commission, we are assembling ourselves exclusively from the world. Is it possible God has used COVID-19 and the mandate for us to shelter in place to radically disrupt our usual meetings in church to bring us to the way of being the Ecclesia? I loved what Patricia King pointed out. COVID-19, while not caused by God, has been used by God for the restructuring of many of our cultural traditions and even to the destruction of idols. Consider the cultural idolatry of sports and how that's come crashing down. Consider the governmental control of our children in our education systems and how that's been restored to the parents. Then there's the closure of the theaters, which has put the production and the release of many of the goddess films from Hollywood locked up. The idolatry of beauty was interrupted with the inability to get our hair or nails done or even visit the gym. Even the idolatry of food has been interrupted with shortages at the grocery store shelves and restaurants being closed. And those who were given to the love of money had to face financial losses earlier this year. I'm not overlooking the very real tragic losses many have suffered from the horrible pandemic or the loss of business and the serious strain on families. We must pray for the comfort of the Holy Spirit and the new strategies for recovery for these precious people. I am, however, working hard and praying hard for you and me to make every adjustment in our life that is needed in order for us to take our rightful place in God's plans as the restraining influence that pushes evil back. We can't wait for the swell of a mighty movement. The days are numbered. Instead, look around us. Look to see what smaller movements are already started and see what you can do, what I can do to support that. If you are inclined, gather people into your home to be the Ecclesia we are meant to be. Start a prayer group in your home or online. If your church is meeting, then by all means connect, but with the intention of going out into the world and not just keeping within our four walls in our holy huddles. Mario Murillo is a voice not unlike mine who has also been crying out 
In a recent article, Mario wrote, quote, Nothing is more infuriating in this hour than Christians who cannot figure out their glaringly obvious duty in this crisis, end quote. I not only agree with him, I'm spending my time and efforts and resources to reach the hearts and minds of Christians and those who are looking for answers in these turbulent times. I want to help you know the truth and to boldly take your stand so you will see the goodness of God overcome evil in your midst. If each one of us became the confident, bold, faithful Christian we are called to be, and each of us did what we could right in our own communities, imagine the impact we could have. We must intercede to bring the enemy's plans to fail. We must pray against the enemy's plan of division and civil unrest. We must raise up Christ's standards and work to right the atrocious and destructive laws. We must make our voice heard and promote our values as we vote this November. We must indeed be the ecclesia Jesus has called us to be. Understand, there are people in power today who want to destroy America and all it was founded to be. They want to take away our freedoms, our liberties, and even our rights within our own families and livelihood. They want to live off our labor through increase of taxes to line their own pockets. These self-appointed elites don't realize they have been pawns in the enemy, Satan's, hands. But more important, does the church in America realize that by lack of engagement, we have given strength and power to the enemy? It is time we get fully prepared and wholly engaged in advancing God's kingdom. You know, God began inspiring me to help people get prepared for the end times a couple of years ago. As a result, I've written two books on the topic. One is Prepare for the Harvest, Confidence in God's End Time Promises. The other is Prepare for the Harvest, God's Challenge to the Church Today. Both have won awards, and I highly recommend them to you to give you confidence and the hope and the direction that's needed in the days we're living. There's a link for you and a discount when you purchase my books. You'll see the link in the show notes. Next week, I'll present part two of Advancing God's Kingdom, providing you with even more motivation and practical steps we can take for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to thank my sponsors, beginning with Virtual Shield, a company that provides you with internet privacy, and also Movi, a company that helps parents protect their children from predators and other internet invasions. I also ask you to learn more about the companies that I bring to you as my sponsors and partners and availing of their services. When you purchase any products through my links, you get the benefit of the goods and the services offered, and you support me and my ministry at the same time. I'm not a 501c3 organization, so donations are not tax deductible. That's the reason I try to bring you goods and services that you can enjoy that will help me with your purchase. This program, Faith to Live By, is a division of Pamela Christian Ministries, LLC, a ministry that offers many different goods and services. By the way, I list all of my sponsors in the show notes and bonus items on Charisma Podcast Network and on my website, faithtoliveby.com. On that landing page, there's a link and more information about my sponsors and my partners. So again, instead of asking you to support my ministry by giving direct, I do ask you to avail of the goods and services from my show notes. 
If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the show reach more people and, of course, spread the gospel and helps people learn how to best apply their Christian faith. Be sure to follow me on Facebook at Faith to Live by TV, on Twitter at PL Christian, on LinkedIn and Parlor at Pamela Christian. If you'd like to be one of my insiders, subscribe to my complimentary bi-monthly e-newsletter. I offer you your choice of a free gift in appreciation for your subscription. And lastly, visit my page for this show, faithtoliveby.com, to enjoy all of the podcasts and broadcasts we've produced so far. I hope you'll join me next week and tell your friends and family to listen right here on Faith to Live By, where we learn how to gain spiritual victory over life's issues. Until next week, once again, I'm Pam Christian, asking you to remember Christ died for us. The least we can do is live for Him.